this topic was appealing not to just people deciding what they wanted to major in in college, not to just the kid who lost his job at Burger King, but I was having chiropractors and physicians and engineers and dentists and accountants who were showing up saying, you know, I'm doing okay, but man, I'm not sure this is the real deal. I'm not sure this is it. Caution, you will begin to love your nine to five with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this next episode of the Love Your 9 to 5 show. My guest today is New York York Times bestselling author, career and business coach, and lots of other things which we'll hear about momentarily. Um, My guest is Dan Miller. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Well, Dan, I know we've connected and I, I read your book and I've consumed some of your content and so much of what you say and write and share have you know, really resonate with the listeners of the show and, you know, with myself uh, very deeply. But before we get too far in, can you just give a very brief overview of who you are personally and professionally and, you know, and what are you doing today? Sure. I had the privilege, the blessing of being raised on a farm. We had, we milked cows, baled hay. So I got a little bit of exposure to, you know, mechanical things that I wasn't thrilled about having to get up at 530 in the morning milking cows and throwing hay bales in the heat of summer. So I wanted to continue to go to school. So I did. I went to school, got degrees in psychology and my master's degree in psychology, not really wanting to position myself as a a counselor or a therapist, but just as part of my own self-introspection, self-development, self-awareness journey. I've been an entrepreneur since day one. I've never had a real job. So I've been privileged just to see ideas around every bush and act on them continue doing that. But about 25 years ago, um, started teaching a Sunday school class just in response to my church's request for people going through career transitions based on my own experiences and my background academically in psychology. I agreed to do that. And it was like there was a vacuum. I mean, drawing people in from other churches, other states. And we moved that from a Sunday morning to a Monday night two-hour seminar workshop, did that for eight years. And in that period of time, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of people going through transitions. And I discovered this topic was appealing not to just people deciding what they wanted to major in in college, not to just the kid who lost his job at Burger King, but I was having chiropractors and physicians and engineers and dentists and accountants who were showing up saying, you know, I'm doing okay, but man, I'm not sure this is the real deal. I'm not sure this is it. So for 25 years now, I've been coaching people in that space. And the coaching has led to writing, speaking, creating other products, those kind of opportunities along the way. So today I'm primarily an author, but still get the opportunity to engage with people, uh, helping to coach people through these transitions and then speak at conferences where that topic is relevant. Wow. Wow, that is fascinating. Now, I know that you're playing it down a little bit because I was just browsing around your website. There's, there, You have quite a few uh, certified coaches that are now continuing to spread the message uh, to other people as well. Uh, but th- there's one particular question that from my background, which my listeners are a little bit familiar with, per- perhaps you're not. Um, do you hear me? 
Yes. Okay, good. Um, is that, you know, my background is not a professional background and I've been studying Talmud for, for until I was 30. So I only entered the professional world um, only a few, few short years ago. And my, I guess, you know, I have a little bit of a different view as to what to expect and what to get out of it. So part of what pushed, you know, starting this podcast is that I was, I was confronted for the first time in my life with people who are not happy doing what they are currently doing. And they're dreading the beginning of a new week as opposed to anticipating it and looking forward to those vacations, to, which led me to the question which I've asked others is, you know, why are you here in the first place? Are you really here just to get a paycheck? And I know that, you know, that's not a kosher question. You know, that's not a legitimate question because, of course, you need to work. Now, in your book, you discuss that. The fundamental point is, are we just coming to work to earn a paycheck? Or is there more to it than just finding a way to pay our bills and, and really be responsible to ourselves and those who depend upon us? Yes, that's a question. There is more. That is a question. You know, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> there is much more. If a paycheck is the only compensation you're receiving, you'll burn out. There's not enough there to sustain it. And I see people who are making, you know, $30,000 a year and people who are making a million dollars a year who have the same angst about just getting a paycheck. Ultimately, there has to be a sense of meaning, purpose, and fulfillment, or it, it won't last. So it's not artificial to look for that. You know, if does this really engage the best that God has put in me? Does this really engage not only just abilities that I have, but also my personality, passions, dreams? And if not, then let's figure something else out. Now, just to go to that just a little bit, probe a little bit further, when we try to think about the very reason why we go to begin with, you know, you correctly point out that it's not sufficient to be a match financially. It has to match what you know what you really your passions your desires and you know and the way you want to to help and provide value to others but the the premise of why are we getting up in the morning to go work to begin with is it just if it doesn't fit with who you are then you ultimately won't be happy and you want to be happy or what what is the very reason that you understand that, that you're getting up and going to and, and engaging in commerce to begin with yeah, I, I think there, I mean, there's, there's so many opportunities. I mean, that's the great thing. We're not limited. There's unlimited opportunities for how we engage in the workplace. And my encouragement is for people to either find something that is a good fit or create it. So even if you can't find something, you can create it. I mean, I have a, in right outside my office here, I have a beautiful eagle that was carved out of a standing cedar tree. Got about a six foot wingspan. You know, the wings came from the first two lowest branches. And it's beautifully done. Now, the gal who did that is never going to sit down with a career counselor in her college where the career counselor is going to say, Gal, you ought to be a tree carver. It doesn't exist in that environment. It doesn't exist in that narrow way of thinking. So there have to be a whole lot of things that come together that position her to have that be a fit for her that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. So, but, the, but here's how we start this. It's not a matter of looking at what the possibilities are, who's hiring, you know, what kind of jobs are out there. 
85% of the process comes from looking inward. So it's very much looking inward first. How do I relate to other people best? What kind of environments do I function best in? What are those proven talents and abilities that I have? What are my ongoing recurring dreams that keep coming up? Those are the indicators that give us the information, the benchmarks we need to put it together and then decide, aha, this is what my day ought to look like. Now it's simply a matter of how do I make my day look like that and have an economic model that comes along with it. I mean, we do have to be responsible. You can't just you know, go look at the dandelions all day if you have a family, and I certainly do. I mean, I've got kids and grandkids, still have responsibilities. So it's not a matter that, of just... That's, that, that doesn't end, right? Oh, no, no. It's <laughs> not a matter of, you know, somehow this idealistic thing where, you know, you're just going to pop grapes into your mouth. I mean, that's not what we're talking about at all. I wouldn't feel fulfilled doing that. That doesn't meet the criteria at all. I think I have a responsibility to do something that engages me with the world around me and brings value and meaning to them as well. I think we all have okay. that. Okay, so that's that's really where I was going with this question, is that the premise that we're just going to work to earn a paycheck to uh, fulfill our financial responsibilities, I think is fundamentally flawed, not just because uh, we need to earn, not just because you know uh, we need to enjoy what we're doing or we won't be successful, because that ultimately is a financial consideration, rather, we as human beings who are bestowed with unique skills, talents, and abilities have the responsibility to express those in a way that brings value to others. And in doing so, we will feel the greatest level of contentment that we can because we are doing what we're really here to do. And That's I believe right. somewhere, somewhere in your book, I believe you touch on this. Oh, and that, that is both a responsibility but the responsibility doesn't have to feel like a hardship because it's also our greatest opportunity. I mean, what could be better than getting up in the morning and knowing that you're going to be able to engage your unique talents, your unique passions, and at the same time, create money more than what you need, but money that will bless your family and have an abundance to overflow to other people. Wow. I mean, how can life be any better than that? Right. I mean, one of the telltale signs of someone who's, at least in my experience, of someone who is really in the zone and really has found the match is that no matter what, in a healthy way, they cannot get enough of whatever that is. Now, hopefully they've learned uh, the work-life balance and they've mastered it to some extent and they're not uh, workaholics where they're just, um, they're doing exceeding levels of effort, you know, which is not logically, it doesn't make sense. And they're ignoring the other uh, aspects of their life. Um, I once heard a definition of life explained that if you want to know what is someone's deepest passion and to them, what is the definition of life? It's that which they cannot get enough of ever. Mm -hmm. No matter how much they get, they cannot get more of that. So if, you, if someone says, I love steak and I'm passionate about a good medium rare steak, you know, seasoned just so and marinated, after the third steak, he's not going to want another steak. And even if you come to him the next day, if you do it every day of the week, because that's not that that is a temporary enjoyment, which somebody has. But if someone really enjoys helping people, let's say like yourself through career changes and through people who are, you get those painful questions, you have someone who's been a successful physician and invested 
hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe a decade or more of education to get to that career. He just finished paying off his student debt, opened up his private practice. He's 50 years old or 45 or whatever. And he's saying, hey, this is not what I want. And you could help him through that transition. You know, for you that, you know, that could be a real definition of life. Oh my goodness. Boy, no kidding. No kidding. Hey, here's, here's an example. This is, and, and I get these messages every day. But here's an exact example of what you're talking about. This comes from a 64-year-old gentleman. I'm in a job that is being phased out. I'm too old to get a different job. I have a lot of debt with no retirement, and my marriage is falling apart. I wish I had found 48 days earlier in life when I could have made a change, made a difference. Now I can no longer go on. Wow. What an opportunity to every day. That just came in. But every day get messages like that and be able to provide hope and encouragement to somebody like that. What a privilege. And I mean, and even on a deeper level, I mean, not on a more practical level, uh, you, you can actually help this person out. This person seems like, you know, the end is near. Everything is falling apart. There's no purpose in living. And you can actually show them that 64 is, is the new 44 because, you know, people That's are living right. longer. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, there are people who have successfully started companies and, and have successfully managed way, way past that, 20, 25 years past this gentleman's age. I can, so, help, I can help that guy figure out, perhaps for the first time in his life, as he's implying, what really that sweet spot, his zone of genius is, and he can go into the most productive, fulfilling 20 years of his life. Yeah, I mean, and what could be, and again, for someone, obviously you've worked through this, and like you mentioned earlier, and you know clearly what your your sweet spot is, and I could, you know, the listeners can't see your facial expressions, but I can, and you can see that this this really lights you up, and this really gives you such a deep uh, sense of satisfaction, just knowing that you have the ability to help people in in such a way, and you know, for all of us to get to that point and for, for all of us to know that that, that that point exists, meaning that my skills, talents, and abilities um, and yours and any other human being on this planet is different and we all have a sweet spot that we can get to. And when we get there and we recognize it and we address it, ignoring whatever social um, understandings or preconceptions are about that particular thing and we run after and become outstanding at it, then every single day we can live as a blessing and, and never end up in a place like that gentleman is right now, unfortunately, uh, who is still helpable though. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can give him so many immediate resources. If he is teachable, if he can change his mindset that this is not the end, but this is a transition into something perhaps more beneficial, more productive, more fulfilling than he's ever experienced. To get so, him to believe that, and not in an artificial way, but then to really open up the opportunities. I mean, what an exciting possibility. So to continue along this vein, and for our listeners who are interested, now obviously there are privacy issues. So without knowing who this person is, which I don't think you know who they are yet either, but someone who's in such a situation, whether or not they're 64, 44, or 24, and they really feel like they've been a victim of circumstance and and even if they don't necessarily have the same package that that gentleman has, what would you suggest would be a very first step for such a person? 
it is to draw that proverbial line in the sand and look inward. We're so used to seeing the latest thing that comes across Facebook or hear about an opportunity or somebody made a whole lot of money and you're going to do that. So we look for those external solutions. Those can be a band-aid and lead to frustration very quickly. The only way to have an authentic path is to look inward first and recognize what is unique about you in terms of your skills and abilities, your personality tendencies, your values, dreams, passions. But in doing that, then we come up with these really unique things. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mentioned the lady who carved the eagle out of my tree. I'm not a wood carver. I wouldn't, I can't see myself doing that. That's unique to her, but that's how individualized we can recognize opportunities. I mean, if even look at what I do as an author, I mean, I know, we know it's public information that 95% of authors in America never make more than $40,000 a year. That could be pretty discouraging. I look at that and think, well, that's interesting. I wonder how tough it can be to put myself into the 5% that are left over. All I have to do is look at what most authors do and be willing to do some things that they aren't. It's not a big deal. But if I were really just looking for a financial opportunity, I would be stupid to try to be an author and do that because statistically that's such a bad choice. But if that's really where my passion is, then I'm going to do it in a unique way that also knocks the roof off financially in what the opportunities are. So you just answered like my next three questions with, with <laughs> what you just said, which that is how, that's how complete of an answer you just gave. One of them was what is the correlation between financial success and the degree which you were able to define your sweet spot and you just answered it that you would be you will be outstanding at what you do if that is what is uniquely you and which which we know uh to be we which we know to be so true but just just as a as a follow-up to what you just said is i i think what you know what maybe another way to express that is that many times we go through the process of deciding our means to earn a living in a completely backwards way, we look around us at what's the latest, uh, what's the latest out there. You know, am I going to start mining bitcoins, or am I going to start a new tech startup, or whatever else is hot at that point? And my neighbor down the street just did that, and now he's making who knows how much money. I need to do that too. Or what is prestigious? What do my parents want? What are my colleagues? What are my socially what's accepted and considered to be respectful? <laughs> or uh, what's making what's making a lot of money? I got to pay the bills. Now, while all of those might be considerations, really, from what I'm understanding, it really should start the other way. It starts with that line in the sand and start looking inside. Who am I? What are my skills? What am I? What am I really passionate about in a vacuum, without caring about what anybody else thinks? And how can I find a practical way to apply that to the business world? Be it as an employee for someone else's company, where I'm just using my unique skill and ability the entire time, or maybe starting my own company, or maybe a, you know, a mixture of, the, of both, which some people are doing. You know, they have their job, and then they have their podcast on the side, or whatever it is. Uh, but only through doing that, then when you approach the marketplace, you're truly unique, you're truly uh, outstanding, because this is your thing, nothing's gonna get in your way. You know that you will be super successful at whatever it is, uh, because you know that that's uniquely you. Do you, find, do you find that, you know, sometimes people look at it this way? Well, they certainly need to. I mean, you described it extremely well. 
Yeah, it needs to be uniquely you. That's why this is not a cookie cutter approach. Uh, there, are, there are people who question my premise that everybody can love their work. They say, well, if everybody did, then we wouldn't have, you know, garbage collectors. We wouldn't have plumbers. And, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I talked to a guy recently. Who, who was, I, I was on a radio show out of Chicago and a caller called in. This guy fixes people's frozen pipes. He works for a utility company. That's what he does. He fixes people's frozen pipes all day long. I can't imagine anything I would detest more than crawling under people's houses in the middle of Chicago winters. He loves what he does. He's a hero every single day. He goes to a place where they have a problem, a family doesn't have water, and he fixes it. He, he loves what he does. I mean, that's, and, and there, that's true. I mean, you can go to a, a hockey game here in Nashville and gee, there's a break in the play and somebody runs out there and they wipe off the saliva and blood and goop off the back plexiglass. of glass. You know what I'm thinking? You got to be kidding me. People would give their right arm to have that opportunity to be engaged in that way. And we can go right on down the list. There, there really is no job that we could describe in which it would not have somebody feeling like they were really in their sweet spot doing it. That is that is awesome because when people see the name of my podcast and they talk to me and they hear how I believe as you do that everyone should and must love what they're doing. If not, then they need to make some adjustments. I do get challenged. Uh, you know, that, is that really true? And how come no one else does it? And so and so doesn't enjoy it. And what you're saying is is so true. And I would actually um, maybe rephrase what you said slightly differently by saying that. All the, I think all the examples that you just gave are all people who had a completely different perspective as to what they were doing as to what the casual observer would see. The guy who's fixing the pipes, we would look into, I am, my pipes were frozen. We're in Boston. <laughs> my pipes froze more than once this winter. Wow. We had it until we finally had the guy come down and the guy's crawling under my sink and, you know, and he's trying to fix things. Yeah, that, that is not something that is a good fit for me. Uh, hanging up a picture is enough of a challenge for me. Forget about unfreezing pipes. Huh. But if you, but, and the gentleman that you said, that he looks at it that I'm a hero. I'm here to save this family. I have a family that doesn't have running water. It's in the middle of the winter. They can't go outside. Travel is hard. You got two feet of snow outside. I am saving this family. And I'm going door to door to door. And mind you, he's making good money. I mean, depending on where he is in the, in the company, but uh, you know, this is something that's really, really needed. And for him, that's how he looks at himself. Uh, there's, there's an incident which is told, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but I'll share it with the listeners because I don't think I've shared it here before, where when the president of the United States was uh, visiting uh, the space center w before we ever sent, you know, the first man on the moon and he was touring the facility and came across one of the housekeepers who was mopping the floor. And, he, you know, and they greeted each other. The president inquired, you know, what, what is your job here? So he said, uh, Mr. President, I am sending man to the moon. I'm not mopping the floor. I'm not just cleaning it up. It should look more presentable. I am part of this mission to send man to the moon. So when you, when you see that and when you really believe that way, so then, then you can actually love mopping a floor. If you're a family person, and you're mopping the same floor, you could look at it, this is my duty because I need the floor to be clean. 
or I am helping out my spouse, my family, whoever it is, so that they can live in a more enjoyable, comfortable, clean environment. So a lot of that really is just is, is mindset because, you know, someone might say that, you know, plumbing is a skill that's limited, um, you know, and no one has in their DNA. I don't think we'll ever come to a point where we're going to say that you'll find some of his DNA, it's besides for his hair color and some of his character traits, it also says plumber. Probably that's never going to happen. I think we can agree on that. And, and, but yet you might find there's probably thousands or millions of plumbers in the world. How could they all enjoy what, enjoy what they're doing? Are they really all uniquely gifted to fix pipes? But what you're, the way you explained it before is that I'm not fixing pipes. I'm a hero. I am someone who has the ability to go around house to house and save people who are in a troubled situation. The next person might have a different spin on it. And he said, I have the ability to engage with strangers and they should learn to trust. I don't know. I'm just saying random examples, but it's, it's really all the mindset. And there probably can be an infinite number of applications of our skills and our mindset and our passion once we clearly define and we're really in touch with who it is, with what it is, actually. And I think it's important to point out as well with what you're describing so well is that there's not just one thing that where it converges to one thing. I love my life as an author, speaker, coach. If those things, for whatever reason, were worthless tomorrow, I could go down the street, have a little lot down here, and have about 30 used cars out there and sell used cars to people. I'd be totally happy doing that. I mean, there I could list 10 other things that I could do realistically, not just realistically, that I could do where I would be fulfilled in doing those as well. So this is one. And, and sometimes people chase their tail and thinking, well, there's only one thing, you know, that really is a fit for me. And I've got to find that one thing. No. I mean, if somebody's really good at plumbing, they might have been a good architect. They might be good in carpentry. You know, they might be good in, in remodeling or, or rebuilding old hot rods. I mean, there might be a lot of things that use essentially the same skills and would give them an opportunity, but would look different to us on the outside. Interesting. So we should stop beating ourselves up because the downside, the downside of this analysis is that, you know, I'm so busy trying to figure out what is uniquely me and what are my skills and what am I passionate about? Well, is it this or is it that? Do you know, do, you know, do I want to be a, the plumber? Do I want to be the architect? I'm not really sure. And, you know, you know, um, analysis paralysis, we end up doing nothing, which is probably the worst thing that we can do. Um, besides for just taking action, which, you know, which is something which is shared by lots of successful people and, and learning, you know, by fire. But also, there's not necessarily a right and wrong choice. Right? Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and the, people, people struggle with that at young ages. You know, sometimes there's a lot of pressure on an 18-year-old to know what they're going to major in in college. You know, make that one choice that's going to put you on a path from which there's no escape for the rest of your life. That, that's really unrealistic. You know, I, I tell people, especially men and working with them, you know, hey, do whatever you want to. You know, there's really nothing I would consider a mistake. If we can sit down when you're 40, 45 years old, take a fresh look at this, pull this all together, can we, we can put you on a path to have the fulfillment you were intended to have in life. It's not like you have to figure it out when you're young. Personally, I, I don't work with clients who are 20, 20 years old. 
you know, I like to work with people who have more life experience to draw from because there's so much information in that life experience to help us make better decisions moving forward. So you have, you have more data to work with. Yes. I came across recently as someone who does uh, Google ads and he says, if you're not willing to spend, or if you haven't spent like over $5,000 in the past three months on Google ads, then I don't want to talk to you. Not because <laughs> there's anything wrong with you. It's because I need that data to analyze it in order for, in order for it to be meaningful, a good use of his time and a good use of the customer's time. That's so if you're correct. going to talk to an 18 year old who really had is probably just beginning to know that, that if, if you're lucky is beginning to know something called, you know, introspection and, you know, self-identity, just new to these concepts this is, I guess it, there's not much to work with That's uh, right. as, opposed to, as opposed to someone who has a little bit more uh, life experience. Now, in the same vein, this may sound a little harsh, but I would be hesitant to work with somebody who's been out of work for 14 months because my fear is there's a mindset that is set in there that is so detrimental, it may be hard to reverse it. What do you mean by that? What type of mindset? Somebody who is convinced nobody's hiring, there's new opportunities, you know, unclear on what it is they have to offer. So they've just started to shut down. That's hard to break through. Um, certainly, I don't mean to imply there's no hope for somebody like that. But in choosing clients to work with personally, I mean, those, those people, I'll give them a book, you know, give them access to an event or whatever. But in choosing to work with people, it's like the guy who says, if you haven't spent 5000 bucks in the last three months on Google Ads, I don't want to work with you. I want to work with somebody who's already had success, who has already proven their ability to make things happen. They're on this path already. They just need a little guidance and we can open the doors to extraordinary success. Amazing. Now, are there any particular tools or resources that you would recommend for someone who is exactly where you just described and they're actively looking um, to apply their kind of defined unique skills and talents? Are there any particular resources, if it's a book, if it's something online, um, that would help them along this path of, of self-identity and also help them apply some of those skills in a way that could be financially and, and personally meaningful? You know, any, anything that adds to self-awareness is helpful. I've talked about how much of this is looking inward rather than outward. So, I mean, doing the DISC profile or the Enneagram, or the Myers-Briggs. I mean, those things are all strength finders. Those things are all helpful. And books that use those kind of models, you know, can be helpful. Certainly, you know, I have resources, No More Dreaded Mondays, 48 Days to the Work You Love, Wisdom Meets Passion. And there's other, other authors out there, Richard Bowles, What Color Is Your Parachute? I mean, there's a lot of things. And, and somebody has to be open to that. They have to be an eager learner. And if they are, then they can transform the direction they're going in a very short period of time. Okay. Now I'll definitely put links to that. And I know you weren't clear that those first three books that you mentioned are your own books, which have done phenomenally well. And I've read the 48 days to work you love. Uh, I haven't gotten to the other ones, but, but they are on my to-do list. All right. I immensely enjoyed uh, the 48 days book. I really was just so full of so many wonderful examples and practical advice. We'll definitely link up to those things. Now, one more question. I know that you have uh, another commitment coming up soon. So I just want to end with maybe one or two more questions here. You mentioned something fascinating, which I was actually surprised to hear, that if magically your entire career 
and ex experience disappeared, you would literally literally be able to go down the you know down the block and be able to sell used cars. Yes, so which means that you clearly have the ability to start a business, even if it's unrelated, and selling used cars, as we all know, that's like the example that we give of you don't get more salesy than selling used cars specifically. Yep. And one might think that someone who's so in touch with um, so introspection and someone who's, you know, very deeply aware of who they are and their life's mission might not get involved in that. But I mean, I don't even mean to go there. I'm sorry. What I really mean to do is that means that you have definitely have an ability uh, to apply your, your, your clearly defined self and find where you can provide value to others in a way that works financially, in a way that you'll be able to create a successful business. What is the, is there any one point guidance or something that you can share with our listeners for someone who has a very healthy sense of who they are and they're looking to create a business and you make it sound so simple and you picked cars and I think you may have given a couple other examples. Is there any method to that that you would share, or maybe that's beyond the scope of this discussion, and maybe there's a resource where you can guide our listeners who are interested in that further? No, that's a reasonable question. And yeah, follow your curiosity. You know, I meet with people who, gee, I don't know what my passion is. You know, they seem to be out of, I said, just follow your curiosity. I mean, for me, as an example, what we just described there, I mean, I, I enjoy cars a lot. I mean, I, I love the process of finding cars. I love tinkering on them. You know, I like driving interesting cars and all that. So that wasn't just an arbitrary thing that I pulled out of the air. That is high on my list of things that I enjoy that I could easily turn into a fulfilling business. I mean, you might also come by and find me outside on my little John Deere tractor. You know, I've got a new, right outside the sanctuary here, which I call my office, I've got a new landscape area. I'm moving in some really big rocks there and I've planted a couple trees and I'm designing this new landscaped area where there'll be places to sit. There'll be a little fire pit. I'm doing it all myself. Now that may seem crazy. You know, I can be here writing another book and just, but I don't do that. I, there are other things that I enjoy besides the one primary thing that I do that creates income and is really fulfilling for me. But there, there ought to be things in our lives that are indicators, that are clues about what we could move into and develop. But you, if there's nothing on the horizon, follow your curiosity in order to lead you right into an opportunity that matches all the criteria we've talked about. Okay. Now, just to drill down and drop further, I can be very curious and interested in construct in let's say in tinkering with cars and all that but that doesn't mean it will be profitable i mean, it might open up a lot and nobody will show up is that an indication that by providing through by opening up a business that's directly related or an expression of what i think is clearly me is that an indication of success and is that an indication that i'm filling a need um you know how would you go about dealing with that because you mentioned this is your primary income. Yeah. So it's the other, the, the other things. Go ahead. Well, there ha you, I mean, I'm very clear on you have to, this is a three-legged stool, passion, talent, and money. If it just engages your passion and your talent, but no money, you have a hobby. So I may decide, I, mean, we, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. 
So we've got thousands of people here who are passionate about music and are very talented. And they're living in cardboard boxes under bridges because they've never created an economic model. So you have to be realistic about that. I mean, I have a, a gentleman that I just uh, am engaged with and I'm helping who he and his wife had, wrote a book about marriage and they decided God had called them to impact a thousand marriages. And God told them that they were wanted to have a conference, that they were going to have a certain number of people that would show up. They, based on that, booked a hotel, committed to blocked out rooms, the food service, and the whole thing. They had their event, and at the end of the day, when everything had settled, they owed the hotel $87,000. Now, they were passionate about it. They were doing something really worthwhile, honorable, great ministry and all, but they did a really poor plan of executing an economic model with that. Doesn't mean they're not gifted, but they just, they overlooked a really important leg of the stool. You got to have that. So if I'm going to sell cars, you better believe it. I'm going to be doing marketing. I'm going to be networking with people. I'm going to make sure that I buy proper inventory for that so that I know my success is going to carry through the other end. Amazing. Well, uh, I know that we've run out of time. So thank you so much uh, for your time today. Just uh, in closing, if our listeners want to still find out more about you, what is the best way for them to follow everything that you're doing? Sure. There's two places. Really, 48 Days is a repository for lots and lots of articles, content linked to my podcast. So that's the traditional kind of place for information. 48 Days Eagles is a community of people who are saying, we're not content with ordinary. We're going to help each other. And you just go there as well, 48dayseagles.com. That's another place where there's some really exciting things happening. Amazing. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time today. All I really right. appreciate it. Hey, delight being your guest. Thank you.